Hi, I'm Melanie Patterson from Christchurch in New Zealand. Doug Prinsker from Pretoria. Anandredi from India. Sue Crawford from Peter Maritzburg. Patrick Miner from Nairobi, Kenya. Krizal Roberts from Sanderson and Mpumbalanga. I'm Brigitte Seiperstein from Frucht, the Netherlands. Andre from Brisbane. I'm Ben Weiner from Botswana. Jim Panton from Edinburgh in Scotland. Christine from Cape Town in South Africa. And you're listening to Ride with Coach Perry. Welcome on to this edition of Ride with Coach Parry. My name is Brad Brown. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you onto this podcast. And we are doing things slightly differently from here on in. Uh, if you've been following this uh, podcast for a while, if you're a subscriber to the feed, you'll know that we've gone a bit quiet uh, with regards to the podcast. But the good news is that is all about to change. We also uh, are changing the format of this podcast quite substantially as well. If you've been around what we do at Coach Parry for a while, you may or may not know that we have another podcast called Run with Coach Parry that's been going for many, many years. Uh, and we have been running an experiment on that podcast for probably the last 12 months. Uh, where we've changed the format up uh, quite significantly to see if it works. And the feedback has been phenomenal. So uh, we are going to be doing exactly the same on this podcast because uh, I think you're going to love it. And what we're doing is we've got an online community, an online training club, uh, where we have got access to a whole bunch of uh, cycling training programs. We've got access to a team of experts, coaches, uh, strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, uh, and one of the most engaged and encouraging cycling communities online. And uh, as a member of that community, uh, you get access to pretty much everything. But what we try and do is showcase a couple of members uh, within that community here on the podcast and uh, do a bit of a one-on-one -on -one coaching call, if you'd like, uh, obviously to help them achieve their goals, but also to show you what the Coach Perry Online Training Club is all about. So today's first episode, we actually head to New Zealand. Our cycling coach, Devlin Edens, based here in South Africa in, uh, uh, in Gauteng. I'm based in Cape Town, and we head to the South Island. Islands uh, in New Zealand to catch up with expat South African uh, Ralph Schubach today uh, to find a little bit about his cycling background and uh, what he's training for and how we can help him. Some great questions on today's podcast. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about what we've got planned in the weeks and months to come uh, on the other side of this chat. Welcome on to this edition of Ride with Coach Perry. My name is Brad Brown. We've got our cycling coach, Devlin Eden, with us once again. Dev, how's it? Nice to catch up. Brad, how's it going? Good to be here again. And yeah, nice to chat. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while since we've done this, and the, the format is changing slightly. We've been doing this sort of format on our running podcast for, for a while now, and it seems to be working pretty well, and our, our community is really embracing it, and we wanted to extend it to both cycling and triathlon, so there's a couple of triathlon ones coming as well. But uh, we have a member of our online community on the call with us today as well, uh, Ralph Schubach, who is in New Zealand. Ralph, welcome on to Run. Uh, ride, rather. Let me. I'm so used to doing uh, run. Uh, welcome on to ride. We'll we'll get it right eventually. I'm sure. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, most importantly, also thanks for accommodating me in the, the time zone because we are ten hours ahead. So thanks for you for uh, putting some time aside for me. Really appreciate it. No, no worries. What's things like in the future, Ralph? That's uh, looking good. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of at least we know the next 10 hours we sorted, the world's not coming to an end, which is, uh, <laughs> which is a good thing. Ralph, yep, yep, yep. that's a South African accent. You are in, uh, on the South Islands in New Zealand, but you're, you're an expat. How long have you been uh, in, in New Zealand? I've been here uh, 
three years. I came across in June 2016. So uh, on Sunday was exactly three years since I made the step. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and you were telling us before we started recording the call, you were from the South Coast, Manson Toti in uh, KZN. Winter's slightly different uh, in, in Christchurch, New Zealand, as opposed to on the, the, the sunny south coast of South Africa. Yes, um, you have proper winters here. Um, but what's amazing is the, the winters up here doesn't stop the outdoor stuff. They still walk their dogs, they still ride. It can rain, it can snow. Um, yeah, so if you're not exercising, you look outside and you see other people going out about, you, you tend to want to join. You know, the weather here doesn't stop the people from getting outdoors. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's cold, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. And, and we're going to be talking uh, specifically some mountain biking as well. But you come from a bit of a, a running background too. Tell me a little bit about your athletic endeavors. Um, yes, I, was, I started running at the age of 11. Um, our very first race was in 1985, the Capital Climbing Maritzburg. And that sort of kicked it off. And then I've been doing a couple of odd races. And then I've done two, uh, seven Comrades Marathons, one, two Oceans. Uh, personal best of 9-11 that was in 2010 um, yeah so the, the longing and burning desire still to go back to do my 10th uh, uh, three more to get my green number so that's still on the cards uh, yeah but I just want to take up a little bit of mountain biking and I know I'll get the 10 comrades done but um, yeah just take up mountain biking and see what they can offer talk to me about the switch what what's driven you into into cycling um, oh, just the uh, amazing scenery and um, I think uh, Christchurch is like one of the best uh, mountain biking places in the world, uh, what it's got to offer. And um, yeah, Tranquil and the mountain bike parks and the freedom, you can go ride and miles and miles and miles without seeing anybody and not to worry about your safety or anything like that, you know, so it's uh, what it's got to offer. I thought now I can't miss this opportunity, buy a bike, get out there and yeah, it's just something uh, from a Mazamtoti staying up there, it didn't offer that type of uh, exposure you know so i thought well you know coming from a coast i can come over here and do the same thing have you found the transition from running to to cycling and mountain biking in particular pretty easy or is it something you struggled with i struggled with it in in the beginning i still uh messaged uh, devlin a couple of questions because man i i thought i could come on a bike and say you know this is it i can chop anybody but man i got respect for anyone that comes on a bike now because <laughs> i've got the the the, the, the stamina and the endurance, but not the legs. You know, uh, I, I look at some people when they're riding bikes and they come past me. I thought to myself, man, if we were doing a 5K or 10K park run, I'll smoke you. You know what I mean? But it's, a, it's just that my legs have been conditioned to running. So cycling is a completely different. So I'm thinking, well, if I can harness that energy and just keep my legs as good as they are while running, I'm sure I can become a, a good, efficient and a better cyclist. So I'm, I'm working at that in, at the moment. Yeah, and mountain biking is a totally different beast to being on a road. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I was training for an Ironman a couple of years ago and I ended up getting roped into doing a mountain bike race. And I was fairly fit. This was like four weeks out from an Ironman. I was, I was really bike fit. And five minutes into that ride, I was like, man, this is just stupid. Like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I, uh, mountain bike fit is, is something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, um, especially with the mountains over here, man, it's, um, and the winter, it's, it's a, you, you really pulled up a uh, altitude, high altitude type of training, uh, cardiovascular body, you know, and um, also one of the other things that inspired me is we've got a local uh, guy, his name is Anton Cooper, who's currently competing in the world uh, UCI cross-country mountain bike champs, and I've seen him race here, and um, 
when I went to buy my bike, I thought, well, is it downhill? Is it a trail or what type of mountain biking? So uh, the cross country aspect is, uh, 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 appealed more to me. You know, that, that marathon, maybe the marathon, that's where the marathon running comes in. I don't know, but I like that cross country um, type of event with that competitiveness and what it's got to offer. Yeah. You seem like you've got quite a competitive spirit, and, and you were saying that before before we started recording that you were keen to to, to sort of take on the age group stuff and, and see how good you can get. Where, where does that come from? Have you always been pretty competitive? Yeah, yeah, I've always been. I compete within myself, and um, um, I know that if I, I I sometimes race or something, and I see uh, the times that people ride, and I think to myself, but I'm riding a half an hour slower. I haven't even trained. So I'm thinking to myself, if I start training and starting putting things together, I'm sure I can get close to that time, you know. So I, I look at that from point of view. And even from a running point of view, I always just do um, uh, compete against myself and, and the mountain biking. Okay, cool. Before we get to your question with Dev, Dev, if I can bring you in here, the, the sort of switch from, from cycling to running, often we see cyclists making the other switch, going from, from cycling to running. I'm amazed that that uh, Ralph is saying he's, he's struggled as much, particularly because he is such a good runner. I mean, a 911 Comrades PB is is rapid. I mean, that's fast. Uh, your thoughts on on making the transition is it is it harder than people imagine it's going to be? Uh, look, I think the the switch to mountain biking is probably where it does become a little bit more difficult, and I think that is that, is that your the, is that your way of saying roadies are soft, Dev? <laughs> well, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> no, I think, and again, I was, um, I was this weekend at the uh, SA Cross Country, sort of one of our series races here with one of my elite guys. Um, and time and time again on the mountain bike, I see the biggest thing that actually slows people down and makes your own life difficult is technical skill and the ability to ride your bike on technical stuff. And more often than not, that's what fatigues you and that's where you struggle. And when, Ralph, you're talking about half an hour time differences, it's those kind of things that often slow you down a little bit more than just your physiology, just your legs. Um, so again, the, the, the transition from the running into the cycling, physiologically, you've got a really good base. You, you've got that foundation laid. So I think it just comes down to tweaking training make sure we're doing specifics around the biking uh but when we start talking about times it's little things that fatigue you as well so technical work is something that where the strength aspect might come into strength training as well to assist with upper body and handling your bike on the mountain bike and so so there's a, a i think it's just a little bit there's a lot more aspects that come into it that need a little bit of work as well how, how have you coped with the technical side of things ralph um to be honest, I've fallen about two or three times. <laughs> Is that per ride or overall? <laughs> no, 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 overall, um, I think it's just also um, getting used to um, the terrain and all of that uh, type of thing. Um, yeah, and I th I'm getting, well, you know, these things are going to happen, uh, but I think I'm getting better at it. Um, so, yeah, I've got a, uh, I'm currently riding a, a, um, a track uh, Excalibur, uh, nothing too fancy, but I'm I'm probably looking at upgrading to maybe a specialized Epic Comp or maybe one of the track top fuel, one of those cross country bikes. But I first want to get as good as I can on the track before uh, upgrading. Um, so yes, uh, I'd rather fall on the current bike that I've got than on the on the newer bike. Yeah, they get quite expensive there. You know, the bad the bad news is it doesn't matter how good you get, you're still going to see you're still going to buy yourself some land every now and again. It's uh, just uh, par for the course, yep. I guess. Yep. Yep. Yep.
Ralph, you've got a couple of questions for Dev. I know that the first one that you, you sent through had to do with climbing and, and the cadence and, and gearing on climbs. Can you, can you give us a little bit of background and, and ask a question? Um, yeah, so Christchurch is um, surrounded by mountains and to get to some of the best tracks, you've got to climb up uh, the mountains and um, there's one mountain here, it's called Rapaki Road. It's about five to six kilometer deep track, gravel, steady. And my own question is to get stronger and to build uh, bigger legs. Do I ride that mountain on a heavier gear and let my legs burn and all that? Or do I concentrate on the cadence and just and the economy, you know, and, and get to the, obviously on the higher, higher gear, I know I'm going to get to the top feeling a bit buggered, but, you know, I'm just trying to think of in terms of building my leg strength and power. Sure. So, Rolf, this is a great question, and this is something I often get guys asking with regards to their climbing and what the optimum cadence is. I think, firstly, if, it's, if this is a, a hill that's in the beginning of your ride and you're using it to get to another point or to get to better trails, the one thing is you might want to actually use that as a warm-up rather than anything else, especially if you've got another 30 or 40 kilometers on top of that ride still to come. So... From that point of view, if it's just a means to getting somewhere else, I wouldn't focus too much on using it as training. I'd use it as a warm-up, so lower gear, easier cadence, and sort of spin your way up. In saying that, though, I think it depends on where you are in your training and what you're trying to achieve. So if we're trying to work on strength type of stuff, so thing where what we refer to as torque type of training. So torque training is where you're working a really higher gear, higher resistance, with a much lower cadence. And that's where we really start to build the strength in the legs from a strength point of view. And when I talk low cadence, I'm talking anything sort of 40 to 50 RPM. So it's really low cadence and it's a big slog. That's one way of you really building good strength in the legs, building torque, which later can be translated into good power numbers. The right. flip side is there is a time where you might need to do those sort of climbs, but at a higher cadence where we start attacking a little bit more cardiovascularly rather than trying to build strength. And ultimately, when you're coming into race situations and you are being faced with heels like that, you're typically going to do them in an easier gear at a, lighter, at a higher cadence, um, which will get you to the top without fatiguing the legs too much. But you would have need to have done a level of that high resistance, low cadence work earlier in your training to then be able to translate that later. So keep in mind that you, you almost need to, what is the purpose of the training session? And if you're trying to develop strength work, then yes, high resistance, low cadence. If you're using it as your warm up to get somewhere else, take it nice and easy, just getting up. And then obviously if you're doing heel repeats where you're trying to build sustained effort for longer periods of time, then you're gonna to wanna to do it in a moderate sort of gear, something with a slightly higher cadence that you can tick it up and keep working hard for the entire duration. Cool, thank you. All right. cool. cool, does that make sense, Ralph? Yep, yep, makes cool. sense. All right, your next question had to do with nutrition. Yes, um, I know when uh, back home now with running and all of that, if you're doing a marathon and all that, you sometimes get food along the way and all that. Now I've got a, a like a little camel back on my bike and now I have a good breakfast, but I often hours, I'm not talking about just Sunday cruise. If I decide to go for solid ride at a steady pace working, um, often hour, uh, my energy levels start depleting. Now I'm just trying to find out, I can't take a whole shopping basket worth of food. So um, I've now decided to take 
nuts and an apple and all that, but what's the best type of food to sustain a mountain bike ride for about five to six hours, especially if you're in the middle of no man's land? You, you need a basket for your handlebars, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ralph, this one, um, this one can get tricky. So, before I go any further with this, just what is your... What is your general diet like? And the reason I ask this is we've obviously got people that are trying to stay away from carbs and that sort of thing. So I just want to get that background first. Is that a concern for you? Is that something you're trying to focus on? Or do you have a pretty well-balanced diet? Well, um, I, I know we don't have too much time today, but the, on, uh, I have been reading a, a book and um, my current weight was 71 uh, prior to jumping on this program. Uh, I'm now three weeks in it. I'm now weighing 66. Uh, the only thing I've cut back is my sugar um, and cut back a little bit of carbs. Um, so the, the book I'm reading is about being uh, metabolically flexible where you use your fat and your carbs. But I'm not too sure. I haven't cut out carbs completely. And then my wife still said to me, she says, geez, you know what? You're already 66. Where, where, where are you going to? You know, you need to start eating. So I've got, I've got, a, high metabol I've got a high metabolism. Um, so after an hour, I, 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 my energy starts going down. And then that's it. You know, I, I, don't, I can't recover. What's my glycogen levels if it reserve? I, there's no turning back. So, was, this, um, was this something you struggled with running as well, Ralph? Or was this just exclusive to mountain biking now? Um, running, running as well. I mean, uh, if I was running, um, let's say a marathon or something, um, yeah, after two hours, I'm starving. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I need to eat. I need to eat on the road, you know. So, uh, All right, so was, yeah. So, Rolf, that's probably just what I'm picking up. And again, I might be missing something a little bit here, but I think the first thing I'm picking up is your lack of eating while you're on the bike or running, yep. for that matter, and starting early enough. So even yeah. if, you've had, if you've had a decent breakfast and you've been eating well all week long and you go out on a ride, especially a moderate to high intensity type of exercise or effort level, rule of thumb is you've got anything between 60 and 90 minutes worth of glycogen stores. Yeah. So now imagine it as a fuel tank in a car. You now go out to that moderate to high intensity exercise. Obviously, the higher the intensity, the quicker you're burning through your glycogen stores. If you're not topping that tank up from early on in your, your ride or your effort level, you're depleting that quite quickly. The problem is when you do hit that wall, it's too late. Yep, so yep. especially in a long period of ride, you, you actually can't replenish quick enough. Yeah, that's so what, what you need to be doing is making sure one, um, you're possibly using a carbohydrate drink or something that's got a slower release in your bottles um so i if you say you're riding with a camelback i would typically have water in your camelback and if you can have the luxury of having two water bottles on your bike then smash two bottles full of um a, a supplement of some sort again that's why i say of some sort is that's very individual to you so you need to play around with what works for you and what doesn't work for you um find something that does work and then stick to that so one is the taking in of carbohydrates through your bottles through liquid and then the second would be eating but eating from early on if you are taking a supplement through liquid so in your bottles that generally will be enough but you're probably sitting there anything between sort of 50 and 75 grams of carbs um, and per bottle so now you've got to make sure that you you're timing it so that if you're doing a five-hour ride you've got somewhere that you can replenish so 
if you're carrying a spare sachet of mix and you just need to find water to add to it, or if you're carrying solid food in your camelback, what have you. So you've almost got to plan it on how can you take in carbohydrates? How can you take in roughly 50 grams of carbs every hour? And if you right. work on that sort of ratio, it helps you a little bit just to plan the rides. And if you are doing a ride, knowing that three hours down the line, there will be somewhere that I can stop and maybe buy something. or And that way you also then don't have to carry too much. You can carry for that first half of the ride and then replenish there. So it just takes that little bit of planning, finding what does work for you. And it's the same thing when it comes to solid food. So is it nuts that work for you? Is it a nougat bar? Is it... Um, raisins whatever it might be that actually works for you from a solid point of view um, and then see how you can balance that with the liquid so personally for me i struggle on long rides so i've got my bottle of mix but i struggle on long rides with sweet stuff over a period of time so what i actually do is i have a bottle of water bottle of mix and i substitute those two but then i take on food to sort of over to make sure i'm getting in the right amount still for the duration that's needed if that right. answers that question. Yep. yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then Ralph, you were asking, you also mentioned that you struggle with sort of numb, numb toes and a bit of numbness. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what the story is and, and, and yeah, let's see if we, we can come up with a solution. Yeah. Um, especially, especially in the winter now, um, it's, it gets very, very cold and uh, it might be zero or minus one, but then you've got the winter factor that drops it a, a couple of degrees below. Um, and I found out the longer I ride my, uh, my, my toe, well, first was my hands, my fingers. I've sorted that out. I've got a good pair of gloves, but then my toes, um, uh, especially if they got wet or whatever. So I meant, I'm invested in a, a pair of um, waterproof or windproof uh, uh, socks called seal skin or something like that. I bought a pair of new pair of uh, shoes, uh, Gyro uh, Tiradoras or something like that. Um, that seems to be helping a little bit, but um it's about 70 percent but now um someone's told me that my cleat position could be wrong and where my where my, my foot is on the pedal i'm probably with the wind i'm starving a bit of maybe blood that's flowing to my toes um so i'm not too sure if that's that that's a problem or yeah so ralph on the the cleat position thing that's i think first and foremost is to make sure that your bike setup is done correctly um so Numb toes could be anything from cleat position to still sitting wrong on your saddle as well. So if we can eliminate that factor to make sure that your setup's done correctly, your cleats are lined up for you as the individual, then, the, then have a look at the gear for the cold. So the cleat position doesn't really have much of a, a correlation to what the temperature is or what the wind's doing your cleat position will have an effect on blood flow to your toes, restricting your toes and that sort of thing. Right. That's the, the first one. Secondly, if you're wearing sealskin socks, my understanding, if I know them correctly, they are quite a bit thicker as well. Yep. And by wearing a thicker sock, you also might be restricting the space in the shoe. So right. just make sure that your shoe, maybe just loosen the straps a little bit. That'll just allow the blood flow and there's not so much restriction or a tight foot sensation. Um, and then, the next thing is obviously making sure that you're warm. So you can wear what you want to wear. If you're going to get wet at the same time with wind chill, unfortunately, it is one of those things that it, it does suffer with. But uh, a sort of pretty cheap trick that we've used in the past is a plastic bag. 
So a little Ziploc bag or something, put your sock on, put a plastic bag over your foot and then put your foot into the shoe. Because that, yes, your, your feet sweat a little bit more there, but at the same time, you're then taking away with that little bit of wind chill factor directly to your, your shoes. So maybe try something like that as well. It's a, a pretty cheap solution that you can try. I mean, you get rid of a plastic bag. Um, that is something that we have used in the past and does work really well. I mean, I've, I've definitely made, made use of plastic bags quite often in, in winter riding. And that. So have a look. But I think first and foremost, start with things that you can control. So start with your bike setup, making sure that the setup's done correctly for you, your cleats in the right position for you. Then go what gear you have. And then on top of that, let's see other tricks that can, can possibly help with that. Cool. Yeah, that, that, bike, that, that bike setup's a big one, Ralph. I, I mean, I see it all the time in Dev. I'm sure you do too. Guys spend thousands on, on a new bike, but then they want to save a bit of money and, and they don't go for, for a proper professional setup with someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, and, and it's all good and well having a bike that's worth almost half of what your house is worth. But if you're not going to spend that little bit of extra and, and your setup changes over time as well, the fitter you get, the stronger you get, you need to revisit that too. It's not a, a one and done. Uh, you've got to keep re revisiting and re-looking at that as well. And it makes a, makes a massive, massive difference. Have you got any other questions, Ralph? Or is that, is that pretty much, does that wrap things up? I've got uh, one more question. Uh, funny enough, uh, I was at the gym tonight. I was doing my one hour 30 uh, zone two riding. And I'm finding that uh, as I'm, I'm three weeks in 12 week program. And it's quite encouraging to find out that um, uh, the gym, the bike at the gym, I've got to now turn up the power to get my heart rate back into zone two where previously I was riding at maybe a 40. I'm now on a 50. And uh, yeah, this, so that is that's quite encouraging to know that, you know, I can do an hour and a half in zone two at sitting at 50, whatever the, the unit of measure is. But um, yeah, before I was in 40. So yeah, that's quite good. So I'm looking forward to uh, in the 12 weeks, maybe having a thing at close to hundred. I don't know. Good stuff. <laughs> Look, that's, yeah, that's, that's always encouraging, Ralph, and that's, that's really good to hear. Um, just one thing I'd like to just add to that and maybe just keep in mind. Well, maybe let me shoot the question first. Are you seeing that, was that a once-off this evening, or are you seeing that now quite regularly that you can feel that you need to be no. putting in more power output? No, I can, I, I, I can feel almost like, yeah, after, after two, after in the second week, rather, I could feel that, listen, yeah, I, can, I, got, I got more. I got, I got more, but I've got to stick to my my program you know um, yes yeah so so I, i'm i'm really really feeling good i'm feeling strong um i'm almost like wanting to race now and you know i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagine what i'm gonna be like after 12 weeks but anyway i'm like no, a race to go so yeah i'm actually holding back you know I, I'm, I'm i'm really yeah i'm really 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 encouraged i'm strong um I'm, yeah it's good Fantastic. And I think, um, I'm assuming you're using, I see on your questionnaire, you're using a heart rate monitor, you're using a Garmin? No. What do you, I, I, what do you I'm use? using a, a Polo. Okay. So look, as long as you also, it's a good thing to then start to track these measures. So track over time, what you're doing in the session, what your heart rate is, um, and then maybe what the power is. So have a look at the bike. If you can connect your watch to the bike and see if you can get power readings, but start to take in other measures as well and track that over time. To just also, it helps with that little bit of motivation as well to see that progress happening in other numbers at the same time. Yep. Yeah, uh, cool. Ralph, and, and I'm sure you've got it hooked up to, to the platform, to the Coach Parry training platform too. All of those numbers get pulled in automatically if you, if you hook it up to your Strava. Uh, and then you, you can put notes in there as well. So if there's things that you want to add, it's just a great place to sort of have everything in one place that you want to go back, you can actually see what you're doing. So uh, that really helps too. 
Yeah, I've been uh, every every night after my training. I go into the platform. I edit the values. I put in my calories, my cadence, whatever cool. power meter from the from the gym, whatever, and I put it in. So I've been following it, and yeah, so it's all in there. Awesome. And and your experience on the platform so far? You haven't been with us that long, but uh, your initial initial experience? It's very good. Uh, yeah, setup was really easy. I defined my way, um, but once I found it, it was quite user friendly. Yeah, very good. Um, um, I go office, often onto the platform and see some podcasts, you know, if, I, if there's any bike questions someone else might have asked. Uh, it's also encouraging if I ask Devlin a question, you might get some other forum members also replying. So you're getting a lot of feedback from various people, you know, so it's quite good. Very nice. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, we're unfortunately out of time. We love having you on. You asked some great questions. I know Dev's uh, thoroughly sort of uh, getting into things with you. We can't wait. When is your race? I mean, you said you're three weeks in. I know you've got like a bit of a tester coming up, but when's, when's that test and when's the big goal? What are you, what are you chasing? So the, the test is on the, eight, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the 18th of August. Uh, it, it's a 30K uh, mountain bike ride. Uh, it costs country um, thing. And then on the 2nd of November, well, the 5th of November, there's a six-hour endurance race. So uh, there's, it's actually a 10-hour or six hours. I've entered the six-hour solo and you see how many laps, the 10K laps you can do in six hours. Um, yeah, so the guy who won it last year did about 16 laps or something. So I've, I've looked at that. I said, right, okay, game one. It's not <laughs> I love it. I love Absolutely this. love it. Ralph, uh, yeah, it's been awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for yeah. catching up with us. And, and I hope that helped. And we look forward to, to engaging more on the forums and, and seeing how you're going. No, no worries. Thank you for once again for uh, accommodating me. I know you guys are early in the morning. And yeah, so, but thank you for opening up the space. Really appreciate it. And uh, nice meeting you. And also to send my thanks to Shona for uh, getting this meeting sorted. that's it for the first revamped edition of Ride with Coach Perry. Thank you very much to Devlin. Uh, thank you to Ralph as well. Uh, and we're going to be bringing this podcast out every second week. That's the plan is uh, to be having another cyclist on this podcast uh, and just sort of helping them achieve their goals. Hopefully you'll get a lot out of it as well uh, because there are some great questions that I think uh, that I think are applicable to lots and lots of cyclists. So I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know. Pop me an email if you'd like. Uh, support at coachperry.com. That's the email address it comes straight into my inbox i'd love to to hear your thoughts and if you do enjoy this please make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to these podcasts whether it's in apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify wherever it is hit the subscribe button so you don't miss one and while you're at it uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating or a review and i'll give you a shout out on an upcoming show so uh, let us know uh, what you think of this and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you along for the, the ride so to speak and uh, yeah looking forward to catching up in a couple of weeks time also bear in mind that we produce a couple of Q&A videos with our coaches as well. Uh, just search for Coach Parry on YouTube uh, as well as Facebook. You can catch those videos that come out every second week as well. Some great questions get answered there too. And if you'd like to join us uh, in the Coach Parry Online Training Club, all you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash cycling. That's where you can get all the details. We'd love to have you. Uh, it is one of uh, the most thriving online communities uh, in the cycling space around uh, and you can get some great results. We'll be sharing some of the stories and the successful in the podcast in the weeks and months to come as well that's about it for me for the first one we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks from myself brad devlin and the rest of the team here at coach parry you have yourself a good one